Welcome to the Rockfit Files. I'm your host, Rocky Snyder. This week, I've got Ben Real on the show with me. He's a personal trainer who spent some time in the military, taking some of that that he learned there and applying it to working with his clients in the company he calls Condition One. I hope you enjoy this episode and the conversations that we have. And if you're interested in learning more about Ben, be sure to check the descriptions down below for all the links. In the meantime, do be sure to follow us on Instagram at Rocky underscore Snyder. Click the subscribe button and away we go. How long have you been a trainer? 2016. So coming up on uh, almost seven years. Um, what, were you, what were you doing before that? So that's a, it's a good story. I was, I was doing a lot of different things before that. Um, I went to law school um, from 2008 graduated in 2011, um, took the Georgia bar. So I, I went to law school down in Florida. I moved back to Georgia. I took the bar exam with the uh, state of Georgia and um, passed that. And during that entire time, I, was, I had been applying to OCS uh, to become an officer of the Marine Corps and was finally selected after, uh, after I passed the bar. So, um, I ended up going into the Marine Corps um, and just went on inactive status with my with with my uh, attorney's license. Um, I went on a ground contract and and uh, was a was an MP in the Marine Corps. Um, so kind of separate, similar paths, right? But but separate uh, uh, responsibilities. Uh, you know, if you were going to be a lawyer or or something else in the Marine Corps, um, but it was it was a great experience to go through law school and kind of pick up this analytical like mindset um, in a lot of ways. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I, that I pulled from it. Um, went into the Marine Corps and um, actually signed a, a reserve contract. So at the time, I joined the Marine Corps in 2013. Um, at the time, the DOD budget, the way it was, they were only taking reserve officers. So there were no active duty spots. Um, and I was 29 at the time. So 28 is the age cutoff. You can waiver in up to 30. And I was running out of runway. So, um, so I took the opportunity and then was kind of told by my recruiter, just volunteer for a lot of different things and just try and stay on active duty as long as you can. Um, and, and maybe you can even, you know, lat move over to, uh, to make it a career. And so that's exactly what I did. I, I went in, there was an opportunity for some active duty time that I took and um, it was a great experience. Um, and then ultimately in 2015, the reserve component pulled me back to, to the reserve unit that I actually hadn't, I hadn't even been to yet. Uh, I think in fact, I checked in and then took off, you know, to active duty. Um, and spent a couple of years in the reserves, and then um, that obligation was was fulfilled in 2017. So, when I started personal training, it was very much um, related to my experience in the Marine Corps. And um, obviously, physical fitness is the first thing that comes to mind. But but a lot with mentorship and leadership, um, you know, and working with others basically to solve problems. And I think that's what we do in the fitness space on a, on a daily basis. Um, so that, that was kind of my segue into, into fitness. And, um, 
Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Just I'm curious about the average fitness level of the armed forces. I mean, when you started uh, being recruited, when you started getting into the Marines, what was that like? Is there a the the entry level recruits? Are they in shape? Do they obviously they're going to get in more shape because there is a regiment that you, you've got to follow, but well, were you, were there any surprises, I guess, when it came to the conditioning level of people that were in the armed forces? Sure, no, it's a great question. Um, you know, I can't speak for the other branches uh, necessarily, but, uh, and and really even outside of kind of the officer core, because that that's who I was, I was working with and, and doing the physical training with. But I can tell you that, uh, I, you know, I thought I was in pretty good shape when I was talking to the recruiter just for the first time, right? And they're like, hey, come on out. Let's do a, you know, do a physical fitness test for us. We'll get some stats, kind of get a baseline. And, you know, I very quickly realized I'd been training the wrong way. Uh, what do you mean? Well, you know, uh, so there's three events in, uh, for the physical fitness test. There's, a, there's max pull-ups, dead hang pull-ups, uh, max sit-ups in two minutes, and then a three-mile run. Um, and... That window, I believe, for the three-mile run, I think you max it at 18 minutes. Uh, the, the cutoff, the absolute cutoff is 24 minutes, which um, everybody has you know, significantly better run times than that. But the typically the run, I was, I've been a runner since high school, so that I was very comfortable running. The crunches uh, were not terribly difficult, but to get 20 dead hang pull-ups, if you haven't been training for it, you know, and you think you're a pretty strong guy, like that's not... Um, that's not just a natural ability. Um, and I had not been doing a lot of strength training necessarily, uh, was doing more, uh, you know, body weight type things, but just wasn't emphasizing the pull-ups. And so, and I, I bring that up because, you know, that's like your baseline, like you, you don't, you don't even move past start if, if those scores, uh, you know, are, are not extremely high, if not, you know, a perfect score. Um, so it's a very competitive, especially trying to apply to OCS It's extremely competitive and they're looking at physical fitness. Uh, they're looking at your previous academic record. And then they're also looking at examples of leadership and, um, you know, volunteer work and, and things like that leadership in different organizations and kind of those three things, um, they pull together and they will kind of create your packet and then they push that up. And, uh, you know, kind of every region of the country has so many spots that they can give to, to candidates. Um, and so you kind of go through this tiered selection process just to get selected to then go to OCS and, uh, you know, and kind of go through the, uh, go through the process there. So uh, what I found was the physical fitness level of when, especially when I first got to OCS, right? When I actually got to Quantico, everybody's a stud. Everybody, everybody worked very hard to get there. Um, and everybody is extremely physically capable. Otherwise they wouldn't be there. And then kind of the next step is, okay, how, then how can you lead? Um, what are your, what are your leadership abilities? Like when you're, when you're stressed, when you're, uh, physically drained, you know, things like that. Um, so I think the physical fitness kind of gets you to, to the starting line. Um, but you realize it's, it's one aspect 
um, if that makes sense. Yeah, completely. So, okay, just fast forward a year or so, yeah. 2016, and you create a new venture in the form of personal training with after your officer's training, after passing the bar. I mean, I'm not going to say it's a step down by any stretch because <laughs> you're changing lives and it's very rewarding, but why? Yeah, so I've always been driven by something that I find intrinsically like purposeful, right? Like, um, I'll be honest with you, law school is not intrinsically purposeful. <laughs> you know, there's not, there's nothing terribly exciting about like learning property and, and do it all of the reading and all the stuff you're doing. But I knew it was a part of where I wanted to ultimately get to. Um, at the time, I didn't realize that that was necessarily going to be training, but I think, you know, get a, the time in the Marine Corps really, I think, solidified my desire to um, long-term after the Marine Corps. I knew that I was going to be doing something that would involve physical fitness and leadership um, in some way, shape, or form. And I think that started the, that started the cycle, but yeah, I mean, I, I started, in fact, when I got off active duty, I was driving, I was, uh, I was driving Uber and, um, and then w picked up a job at, um, one of the major, uh, boutique hit type studios, uh, you know, as a sales manager and, um, nine bucks, 10 bucks an hour, you know, I, but I didn't care. I didn't, I didn't care. I just wanted to, I just wanted to get in the business, get in the industry. Like I, I was, I just wanted to get there. Right. And, and gain experience and, uh, worked in that sales position for a little while. And then, then, uh, was promoted and started managing a couple of their studios here in Atlanta and, well, an amazing experience and like drinking from a fire hose for sure, as far as information and, and things outside of fitness, but, but I was on the sales side and the management side. Right. And I really wanted to be working one-on-one, -on -one, um, you know, with, with clients. And so ultimately I left that, uh, I left that job and there was a, a small, group fitness and one-on-one -on -one personal training studio in uh in midtown that had just opened up midtown atlanta and so i was able to kind of start my my process into the one-on-one -on -one world um, in a really small boutique facility which was wonderful because you know i was looking for that experience that one-on-one -on -one experience and i started with them i was doing that in the morning and at night and then during the day, I reactivated my law license and picked up an e-discovery job. So at a, a large law firm here in Atlanta. So just reviewing documents, basically, right, for for mass, you know, for for giant civil cases that, that were going on. And um, definitely not a sexy job, necessarily, but but it, it it put me where I needed to be, right? And I was grinding, waking up really early. Um, working with anybody that would work with me, right? Um, coaching any classes that I possibly could and then doing the same thing at night. And I, and it was phenomenal. And I did that for about six months until I uh, ultimately left the law job. That was in 
2017, it started 2017, um, and became fully self-employed and, and have pursued um, and continued coaching since, since uh, 17. Um, and that's, that's been the primary, the primary focus. And it's just been a, an evolution. Uh, and it's a constant evolution of uh, coaching styles, um, education, um, you know, relationships and, and things like that. And, and it's been, yeah, awesome. Nice. Now, obviously, you're influenced by several factors. One, of course, the Marines in terms of yeah. leadership. Where, where else do you get your, your information, your guidance, your, 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 the, the, the nitty gritty underneath what makes you a, a, a good guide, leader, trainer? Where, where do you go for that? As far as like education is concerned or? Yeah, education or whether it's online certifications or if it's sure. just books that's uh, like um, Coach Wooden or or, yeah. or Anthony Robbins. I mean, where, where do you go for your for your guidance? That's a great question because there's so there's been so many different areas over the years. I, I, kind of the, the first exploration into that, right, was with Precision Nutrition. Uh, and yeah. I was like in, in 2018 and, and went through their nutrition course um, and got certified with them. And then uh, lately, it's been really heavily influenced by behavior change um, and really pursuing uh, the, the tools outside of program design um, that can get people to where the program design is actually effective for them. So like, in other words, I can give anybody a program, right? But if they're not actually doing it or they're not maybe inspired to stick with it consistently, right? Well, then it's like we're getting the cart before the horse. Um, and it, maybe we come back to to diving a little bit deeper into their their why, you know? And, and why they're motivated to do it, how is it tied to their their values, principles, and priorities, you know, um, and I think that concept was not at all apparent to me early on, right, because you get into the business, and you're like, I'm going to start training and coaching, and then you realize, like, there are so many other tools that you need to really help your clients, and so I pursued the precision nutrition, the level two course with, uh, with precision and just finished that, you know, a few months ago, um, or last month actually. And that was amazing. And it was not nothing fitness related, right? Necessarily, but it's, but it is, it's coaching related and it's how to actually coach somebody. And I think that, um, you know, that's been the next level, uh, in taking it a step past maybe the technical aspect. And that's not at all to say the technical aspect isn't important because it's incredibly important, but there's like this, you know, the behavior side has to, um, has to mold with, with the other stuff, right? Like, um, cause it all goes together. And I really fell in love with, and I'm, really enjoying learning, you know, what, like, what questions do I ask, right? Like if, if somebody's in a, in a roadblock, what, what questions do you ask instead of 
forcing the answer down their throat and telling them exactly what to, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I think that's just fascinating. So I've, I've explored that quite a bit and, um, uh, you know, we'll continue to, we'll continue to do and dig into that, but I've had some, some great mentors as well. Um, and had gone through the, uh, OPEC CCP course really to, to get into that like program design element and better understand, better understand program design and, and assessment based program design. Um, and then worked with, uh, uh, coach Sam, uh, Sam Smith on, um, a remote coaching mentorship. So I did that with him uh, for 12 weeks last year. And actually it might've been at the beginning of this year. I've done so many things in the last two years, I think that it's just been one thing after another, after another, because I'm really hungry for the knowledge and the environment, the post COVID environment, right. Is now one that's more conducive to you know, information online. I mean, we're in classes online and, and mentorships online. And a lot of these things were not necessarily available previously. Um, and so I'm just trying to dig into it, but the, the remote mentorship with, with Sam has been great. And he's actually my, my current coach as well. So um, I've got somebody that I can bounce ideas off of and, um, you know, I think that's the cool thing about fitness, right? It's like, there's, there's so many available opportunities to learn and grow. And there's so many people too, that want to help you yeah. do that. It's so. a fantastic industry in that way. Yeah. There, and there's so many different avenues, niches, if you want to call them that or special specializations, but I'm, you know, you're wearing your t-shirt there condition one. And I've got to ask where, yeah. Where did the name of your company come from? What, what's the, the meaning behind it? Yeah, great, uh, great question. Um, so Condition One, when I, when I got out of the Marine Corps, so Condition One is a weapons, it's a weapons condition. So there's four weapons conditions that you learn, you know, in the military. Um, condition Four would be indicative of basically an empty weapon, um, you know, unloaded weapon. There's no magazine. Condition, you kind of go up the tier of conditions, right? And condition one would indicate that a weapon's loaded. Um, there's a magazine inserted, um, and and basically the weapon's unsafe, but it's but it's ready to ready to go. Um, and I don't, I'm I'm not sure I've ever. Uh, I don't think any of my clients probably even know that, right? It's because it's not that's not put on the website or anything. But I I found it analogous to just being ready for whatever your whatever your thing is. Um, cause your thing is not going to be the same as mine and it's not gonna be the same as the next person's. Right. Um, so being ready is something that I think we can all identify with. Um, and it's not just for somebody that was in the military, you know, um, or just, um, really hard, difficult endeavors, Right, because that's also subjective. What what one person's difficult, you know, endeavor is is what, what does that mean to another person? So I think that the the bigger picture is it, it ties into what I provide with holistic coaching and fitness is a huge aspect of that. But you know, we're digging into sleep and stress management and, and nutrition um, and all these other areas. And you know. The goal at the end of the day is for you to be condition one, right? To to be ready, um, 
to do whatever life throws at you. Um, and maybe that's picking up your kids or it's, you, you know, competing in a race, whatever the case may be. Yeah. So how do you work with clients when it comes to these different elements? Because yeah. historically, personal trainers will give some basic nutritional guidance. Maybe they'll go as far as creating a food diary or eating plan. But uh, that usually we're, we're pretty much, I won't say confined, but we're centered around the gym. And now we're starting to create these spokes of wellness and, and coaching. How do, yeah, how, do you, how do you address first sleeping? And then maybe we can go to the different elements that you do coach and train. Yeah, sure. So kind of a lot of this is brought out during the consultation process, the initial consultation process, um, which is pr pretty lengthy. And I usually spend, you know, an hour and a half, two hours um, with every client at the beginning of, of their process, because um, I have this process has evolved greatly, too, over the years and figuring out what works and what and what doesn't work you know, for me. Um, but I want to find a baseline for their nutrition and, and maybe that involves a food diary. I want to find a baseline for their sleep and how, you know, how much sleep are they getting? What are they doing in the evening before they're going to sleep? Um, you know, what does work look like? What is their, what does their relationship look like at home? Like all these things that, that will, if they're, if they're not in a great place, those, those will absolutely affect sleep. So I think, Coming back to that holistic approach, just recognizing that, you know, just because Jim says he's getting, I'm getting eight hours of sleep. Okay. How about nutrition? Like it, it's not so, um, it's not so black and white necessarily, you know? Uh, so we're digging into everything that's going on in their, in their life um, and their, their lifestyle um, you know, habits, their behaviors and stuff like that. And specifically for sleep, if someone is having trouble sleeping, maybe they're not, um, they're not feeling rested at all when they get up in the morning or they feel like they need five cups of coffee, right. To wake up, um, or they're staring at the ceiling. They can't fall asleep. Like all of these things. Um, if that seems to be the biggest priority that we've kind of pulled out of the consultation or, or the, the, the biggest obstacle that they're currently facing, and we kind of decide to dig into that, um, then, you know, we're going to start looking at like wind down routines, kind of their sleep hygiene, the, the, the environment surrounding their sleep, um, relationships with partners, right? Kind of what does the home dynamic look like? Is it very stressful? Is it supportive? Um, you know, what's, the, what's alcohol and caffeine intake look like? Um, what are the timing of those? You know, um, are you working out really late at night? Like, so I, I think just trying to just trying to get an idea of like low hanging fruit options in a lot of ways, I think. Um, and by low hanging fruit options, I mean things that we are just kind of doing necessarily. that We don't really realize might be impacting negatively impacting, let's say, sleep, for example, these low hanging fruit things are things that are not complex necessarily. Like we're not getting into nutrition science, you know, and, and we don't need to um, because a lot of times if we, if we fix those other things or, or, or really set conditions for sleep, like that's going to kind of take care of itself. Mm.
So I just want to let you listeners know that if you are a movement or manual therapist dealing with health and fitness, I will be teaching a two-day course in Keene, New Hampshire for Anatomy and Motion, where we look at closed-chain biomechanics of the lower body as it relates to how humans move through the world, as in the gait cycle. This can be great for rehab as well as strength conditioning, because if you understand really how the body moves, then that becomes the blueprint to working with all your clients and patients. You can get more information on my website, rockysnyder.com. Click under the events and workshops or workshops and courses to find out about this event coming up November 5th and 6th in Keene, New Hampshire. Still a few spots available. I know it's kind of last minute, but go ahead and click on the links and we'll hopefully see you there. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, well, I'm curious with, with this approach that you take, do the clients find you, do, meaning like, do, is there a certain profile characteristic amongst the majority of your clients that gravitate to your approach? Or has it become kind of an organic thing in a way where you didn't necessarily specialize in one target market or population? It just so happens that these are the characteristics of the majority of your people. I, th I think it's, it's again, been an evolution over time. Um, I think a lot more people now, especially since I've dug into this holistic approach and, and really looking at the other aspects, um, I'm noticing that more and more people are seeking me out specifically. They, they have fitness goals, they have aesthetic goals or performance goals, but they also have, you know, these other aspects that they want to improve of their life. Um, and I am trying to articulate that and get the word out right about the importance of that, but also that that's something that I provide and specialize in. Um, because to your point, you know, it's in a traditional gym setting, it's very difficult. If you're just seeing somebody, you know, one-on-one -on -one for, for, for so 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever it is, they've got a training session, like how can you work all of these other things in? Um, and so there kind of has to be a, a structure to it. Um, and a lot of these things I use, uh, I, I have an app for, uh, for clients. So whether it's a remote client or it's an in-person client, they're both gaining access to not only the programming that I'm, they're doing with me, but for every other day of the week, right? So it's not like, um, and that includes the, the nutrition and the lifestyle pieces. So when we kind of talk about how this is all pulled together, there's one central location for clients to go and see all of their, you know, see their entire plan and see their accountability, their, their uh, compliance, and for me to hold them accountable to that. Um, but I think having that platform and, and using an app has been really helpful for me because you don't, you're not telling a client to do X, Y, and Z before they walk out the door at the end of their training session and then just kind of catching up on it like the next time, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we we happen to use Team Builder here, which is okay. great software that we can incorporate uh, questionnaires about their sleep, yeah. about their nutrition, and and they can track themselves and so on. And we can have messaging going back and forth. Is your app... Uh, something that you've developed yourself did you get a third party or second party you know taken on a branded app or 
Yeah, yeah sure. So it's uh, the app is called Coach RX, and OPEX Fitness um, created the app within the last year or two. Um, prior to that, I was using True Coach, and I used True Coach for about four years, yeah. and then switched over to Coach RX. And again, the same similar uh, similar characteristics. I can put weekly check-ins in, right, with questionnaires. Um, I have you know, a lifestyle calendar that clients can access in a fitness calendar. So if we're delivering fitness programming, or we can also deliver, you know, habits, behaviors that we're, we're working on, that's part of a systematic, you know, uh, progression in, in what, uh, whatever specific skill or, or practice or daily action we're working on. Um, and uh, instant messaging features and things like that. So it's it's a great way to communicate back and forth, but yeah, it's it's uh, sounds very similar. So yeah, well, so what are the biggest challenges facing you, Ben, right now in terms of uh, whether we're talking about just your clients and interfacing with them, working with them, or just your business as a whole? I mean, coming out of COVID, things are different. It's a completely different world, especially when it comes to how we interact with people. How what what are your biggest challenges? Yeah, I think. You know, the I think the biggest challenge and one of the variables for sure moving forward is helping people experience personalized coaching in an online environment, right? Which is it's um, it's it's something new for a lot of people, and um, and I think it. I think it's only natural that it can carry the connotation of receiving an email work, right? Like you get a, you get an email with just kind of, kind of some workouts, nothing wrong with that if that's what you're looking for. But, um, but if you're, you can still get a really personalized, you know, progressive training program that meets you where you are. Um, and you can do that. You can do that online. Um, and, you know, I have people all over the country that I'm working with, and it's a great experience, you know, for, for them. And so I think that's just a, a learning curve a little bit, right. Of, yeah. um, you know, as more and more people find out about online coaching, remote coaching, and even working with, you know, a health coach online. Um, it's like, in a lot of ways, I think it's, it's a challenge, right. But it's also very exciting because, you know, you can impact a lot of people. Um, and in the coaching space, I think when I started early on, this was before COVID, I'm, I was thinking like, I mean, you only got so many hours in the day, right? Like I, and I hadn't thought about, you know, online or, or anything like that. A lot of that was just the result of COVID and having to shift and, and figure out how I'm going to best support my clients, you know, while everybody's kind of stuck at home and things like that. So but you still, you see people in person as I well do. as online, right? I do. Yeah, yeah I do both. So, uh, but I, I think that's a challenge. And, and then I think as a, as a coach and, and business owner, right, you're always trying to find that balance, right? Like you, whether it's education that you're seeking out, whether it's you know, some sort of initiative that you're, you're trying to take with your company. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you're providing a, a coaching service 
to clients. And that's, that's the first priority. And that that's, you know, it's easy to get kind of distracted, right? Sometimes because you do have so many different things and, and, uh, you know, so you just constantly have your priorities and continue to remind yourself, you know, how, how you're going to, you know, hit one and then hit two and then hit three, um, instead of feeling like you're playing whack-a-mole. And I've done that for a while too, you know, previously where you, before you have systems in place or, or, um, you know, especially with COVID, I think we were all doing that in a, in a certain respect, like playing whack-a-mole, trying to be like, well, we got to make it happen. Um, but it's just not sustainable. So you kind of, kind of grow and, and evolve on that front too. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I mean, yeah, I'm just thinking all the things that have, have been a somewhat direct or indirect result of, of living it sheltered in place with COVID and all that. One of them being the way in which people eat, the, the dining yeah. that they do, right? It, these days, more of my clients spend time uh, at restaurants than they do actually making home-cooked meals. Now, fortunately, we, we haven't fallen prey to that in my family. We have our weekly grocery list that we compile throughout the week. I do the majority of cooking where I will often, I won't say bulk cook, but I'll cook for several portions so that we will have opportunity throughout the week to enjoy those meals again. I won't call them leftovers. It's just like opportunity is not going to allow me to get home in time to cook a meal. And the last thing I want to do is run out and get a burrito because I know that's not really what I need that every now and then I do do that, but it's, it's more of a unique experience than it is a regularity. So with your clients, how do you, how do you address that? Do you have a, do you do grocery lists? Do you do shopping excursions? Do you, here's the things you to look for when you're, when you're eating out, what, how do you, get around that yeah so specifically for going out we definitely address okay if we're if if we're going to be eating out what what are some tactics and strategies right that you can do beforehand so because i i think it's only natural you get really you can get really wound up about when you're actually at the restaurant right but like what can you do before you even get there when you do have control over everything um you know you can eat before you go Right, like you can look at the menu ahead of time so that you're not caught off guard. Um, you know, things like that. You could bring a snack with you if you're going to be out all day. Um, you know, some just some basic preventative measures. I think can be put in place that take the willpower out of it just a little bit. If you if you find yourself you know out um, in a social setting. But I do agree. I think a lot more people are eating out because they're excited to be back out again. And, and it can sometimes present some issues. So I think then next you're kind of looking at, okay, when, when you are eating out, what are our go-to like options? Um, you know, and, and just leaning into protein and, and vegetables at, at a lot of restaurants, at most restaurants, right? You can find something, um, something like that. Um, and then we'll kind of talk through the the different, you know, carbohydrate options or the, some of the, the, the basic starchy carbohydrate options, um, and talk about some basic portion control. Um, and I think just trying to take the complexity out of it, um, of of like big picture items like protein, you know, 
there's there's going to be that, that that's going to be on the menu somewhere that that's dig into that veggies probably going to be on the menu somewhere in some form or fashion um you know and make it easy on yourself um by going and doing that there's a lot of other issues right that can come about with like desserts and alcohol and, and, and stuff like that um and that's a deeper discussion probably with the with the individual on maybe you know lifestyle or um really what their what their why is right because i'm sure you like we can we can tell somebody what to eat but they they have to actually pull they have to actually do it when when they get out um and 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 practicing i love breaking things down into into small pieces right um so maybe if we're working on making good choices at dinner maybe you're just starting with like seeking out protein at dinner if, if you're out you know um and then start layering in something else right and then start layering in something else um to manage expectations early on right that if that's a problem like probably in the next 24 hours you know the problem's not gonna be gone necessarily like we have to practice these things over and over and over again um to make them kind of innate um instead of feeling like you have a formula like a specific formula that you have to follow when you, when you go out uh if that makes sense. Does that answer your question? Yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah, no, it, it does. <clears throat> you know, I, I know you put out a tremendous amount of content uh, online, social media, Instagram, and so on. You've yeah. been doing that for a while now. Uh, and, and those little tidbits of information, I think is what you're really getting to is like, just give yeah. out small bits of advice. Don't try and overwhelm people. What can you, what can you take with you and just leave the rest? Uh, you mentioned the why. And for the listening audience, if I could kind of maybe help define that, that yeah. what is the core reasoning of your behavior? What is it? What is the why or your desires? If you have these goals, if you want to say, I want to lose 25 pounds, which we might hear kind of commonly, right. why? Why do you want to? And they'll, they'll initially give you this kind of superficial reasoning because, well, I, I, it makes my back is kind of bothering me. And I think it's because of the weight that I gained during COVID. Yeah. Well, well, why, why is that a problem? Well, and just keep on getting to that next level, a little bit deeper, a little bit. Okay. So why is that important? Well, if, if I didn't have back pain, I'd be able to kind of move a little bit better. Okay. That's great. Now, what would you do? And why would that be better for you? Well, then I, when, when my friends' kids come over, God, I love playing with them, and I, I just feel like I don't get on, I don't get down on the floor with them and play the way I want because I'm, oh, I see. So you really want to interact with the kids, and uh, before you know it, you've gotten deeper and deeper to the core reason why. That's what you're talking about with a why, right? Exactly. Yeah, the hundred percent. That was an awesome example. Um, I'm going to use that. <laughs> I'm going to use that next week. Um, yeah, because then, because then it's like we're not talking about your back pain, right? When you're, when you're having trouble with maybe making a nutrition intervention or something, we're talking about your kids, um, you know, and, and yeah, and it's, it's just hits home in a whole different way. Um, do you find it easy or do you find it challenging 
on the average, everyone's going to be different, but on the average, is is that is that where your magic is? Is finding the why, or is that something that you're continually having to navigate? Like, how can I get there with this person? Yeah, I don't. So I don't know that I would say it's it's my magic because definitely right. It's it's an it's an evolution, but I, but I, that's definitely where I place the majority of my emphasis on. I would say, and in the relationship building process, right? Because there's also there's a trust factor there and everybody's a little bit different, right? As, as to how quickly they're going to, they're going to honestly answer those questions. Right. Um, and so it's kind of situation dependent, but to answer your question, that's what I'm ultimately going for. Because I know that when I, if I can find the why the real, the real why, you know, it, it facilitates so many different, so many different things. Truly, I mean, we've got so much information at our thumb tips. We've got, we've got more than enough insight as to how to lose weight. We have so yes. much expert information and research telling us that if we eat right and exercise, and we can do that in a multitude of ways, but if, if it was just a lack of information, then, uh, then I could see the obesity epidemic having a of strong holds on our nation right now, but that's not the case. It's not for lack of information, it's for something else. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's that, and that's why I think, and not to sound too pessimistic, but the, the fitness world is losing the battle on obesity. Uh, we, there's more personal trainers out in the market today and out in the population than there ever has been before, and we're a fatter nation now than ever before. So it's not for lack of training instruction. It's not for lack of information. And hell, it's not for lack of opportunity because we've got so many health clubs and parks out there. We've got more parks than we know what to do with these days. So it's, it's, the, it's the inner conflict that everyone suffers with. It's, it's the, the, the spiritual disconnect. It's, it's the emotions that feed the I'm not good enough. I am not this enough. I am... I might as well just stuff my face with these foods because I just don't add up to what I want to be. And that's where you're getting in. That's what I hear you're saying. It's, it's more than how many times can you lift this dumbbell and count to 10 and put it back on the rack. It goes beyond yeah. that. You're, you're diving deep, right? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I, you hit the nail on the head. Like there's, you can Google what you, you want a meal plan, Google it. You want to work out, Google it. Like there's, there's, there's all that stuff is out there, right? So to your point, information, access to information is not the problem. It's implementation um, and, you know, having a, uh, you know, a client-centered coaching experience, right? Instead of forcing stuff down somebody's throat or telling them exactly what to do, you know, um, and, and then they leave and they do whatever they want, right? Um, because that's not their because it's not their decision. Uh, they didn't have any buy-in to to do that. Um, yeah, and I think like concepts like self-compassion, right, are, are huge. Like, you know, you have to be it. Just like anything else, it's a it's a journey. Like it, it is it's a process. If you're gonna if you're gonna change anything in your life, it, it's a process, and it's not gonna be linear. Like it's not always gonna be perfect. And um, I think digging into the self-compassion piece is really powerful too, because 
that's something that I think a lot of people um, don't even recognize maybe how hard on themselves they are, right? It's just, it's just innate. They're just, they just do that. And, and that has a bunch of negative, you know, side effects as well. Um, so yeah, it's we're getting, so we're, we're getting easy to, it's so easy to isolate these days too, right? To not yeah. have a connection. We can have a false connection with social media or electronic devices, but the actual interpersonal relationships and the connection that we have, especially coming out of, of a pandemic where we had to isolate. I mean, we've been, we're just now barely creeping out of a government sanctioned isolating culture. And I don't even want to think about the repercussions, the ripple effect that has, but you know, Ben, a long time ago, when I first began as a trainer, uh, my, my boss had a manual and in that manual it said, do not get user-friendly, meaning do not with your clients, do not become do not have a personal relationship, like in, and I'm not talking in, in a, a, a sensual manner. I just yeah, mean sure, like sure. become friendly with these people. And I, that was such a disservice to me for many years. I felt like, okay, I've got to follow along with that. But the word personal and personal training is there for a reason because we need to be personal. These days, yeah, I'm sure like yourself, uh, we've got clients that, they, they want to share their lives. You, you get drawn in because you're somebody they respect as a guide, as a teacher, as, as a confidant. Um, so they're in, whether you're doing it online with them or you're doing it in person, I think that's one of the things that really helps establish the change in them is the care that you have with your clients. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, 100%. I think you you have to think about, you know, as as a professional right we have to constantly we have to be empathetic we have to be compassionate and you can't be like a drill sergeant you can't be like you know some fabricated um like tough guy right uh to 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 get anywhere deep with anybody um and i think that you have to recognize that it is a relationship right that you're building it's a professional relationship and you're going to treat it like a professional relationship, right? Um, but you have to you have to be able to connect with an individual if if they're going to trust you, right? To tell you their problems, um, I mean that's kind of I think we can all think about that. Like you're not going to you're not going to tell somebody that you don't trust or that you don't respect. Um, you know, something that you're, that you're struggling with that might be embarrassing to, to, to discuss, right? Because a lot of the things I'm sure with your clients as well, like this, a lot of these things are, are embarrassing, right? Or they are uncomfortable for people to, um, to discuss. And I think that's just human nature whenever you have to ask for help. Um, and so it's incredibly important to create a supportive environment, a professional supportive environment, right? Like, but, but one that invites somebody to, um, you know, to allow themselves to open up to, to go through the change process um, because they're, they've, they've got to be bought in and, and everything at the beginning. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a huge part of the process. You get, it's, we're in the relationship building business. And I, I think a lot of people could, you, you know, you could take that 
the wrong way uh, and just think, well, I just need to build like relationships and that's, that's going to like make it happen. Well, there's, yeah, but you have to be structured with the relationship and be responsible and realize that clients are entrusting you with, um, you know, with different things. Um, but yeah, it can't be, it can't be like a shield in front of you, right? Like, yeah. I, I can never show emotion or anything like that. It's just unrealistic. And, and people recognize that too. And I think that was part of the process for me early on in coaching was figuring out, right, your personality. Um, I mean, you know who you are, but like, what is your, what is your personality when you're coaching or, or whatnot? And then, you know, I think over time, you just figure out that this, this, you know, you do you, right. And, um, and you kind of, and you kind of run with it. Um, but yeah, I think it's incredibly important. Well, I, this has been a really fun conversation. I really appreciate it. Yeah, sharing. likewise, for yeah. sure. So if, you know, people in the Atlanta area or if anyone around online uh, yeah. really feels that connection after listening to you and, and wants to explore maybe doing a little bit of lifestyle changing and, and fitness or nutrition and wants to connect with Condition One and yourself, then how do they go about it? Yeah, so they can find me on Instagram at Coach Ben Real. And uh, the website is c1fn.com. So C, the number one, F as in fitness, N as in nutrition.com. And uh, they can submit a just a request for just some more information. We'll set up a call, um, very informal call. Like I, I love talking with people. I love really figuring out why, you know, why people are reaching out past the surface level stuff, right? And then, yeah, let's kind of figure things out and, and figure out the deeper things because that's that's what it's all about. Well, right on. All right. And we'll put that contact information in, in the description below, uh, just below the timestamp. So you check that out. Awesome. And uh, I really appreciate you ha having you on here, Ben. Yeah, fun. no, I, I appreciate it, Rocky. I had a great time. I just want to give a second of thanks to Ben for coming on, and I hope you enjoyed the conversation just as much as I did. And if you're interested in working with Ben, either online or in person, be again sure to check the description below the podcast so you can get information on how to connect with him. Enjoy your week.